and welcome back to Much Joe by Rugby, where we chat about everything rugby. This week, we are continuing with our Rugby Around the World series. And today we have the movie film actor Ben Affleck on with us uh, for a very exciting insight into New Zealand and possibly a bit of insight into Argentinian rugby, as I'm sure you'll notice by his jersey today. Ben, why don't you uh, just give a quick introduction to yourself? Thank you so much for coming on and just tell us a bit about you. Uh, right, so my name's Ben Affleck, and as you can tell by the name, managed to get a bit of time off set to come film with you guys. COVID <laughs> and all. Um, I'm, I, despite the top, I'm actually a Kiwi, lived here my whole life, 23 now, but yeah, I sport Argentina, as you can see. Yeah, that's about me, really. I think that's what I'd like to start on. Why, why Argentina? Uh, well, I grew up as a football fan and obviously, you know, Premier League's the big thing. So kind of used yeah. to supporting the team. I don't necessarily have family ties to or anything. And I guess oh. it's the same with rugby. My first real exposure was the 07 World Cup and, you know, Argentina were amazing then. Latched onto them since then and they've been my main team. All the Felipe so, Cont- yeah. Contiponi and people like that oh, inspired yeah. you. Yeah, I went back and watched a lot of the matches in the lockdown. Didn't realise quite how argy-bargy they were. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense yeah. now, looking at what they're like nowadays. But Yeah, fair, fair yeah, play, great. fair play. Yeah, um, so why don't you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your experience with rugby and possibly how what where, what level you played and, and how you kind of grown up with the game in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what level you guys have played to, but I've only ever really played social rugby, which you know, it's all I've always taken it for, just a bit of fun, playing around with your mates. Um, I didn't play until I was year eight, so that's about 12 or 13. Yeah, same here. And I played right throughout high school, so finished up when I was 17 or 18. Then oh, nice decided one. I was a bit too small, went back to soccer <laughs> for now, but yeah, maybe we'll go back in a year or so. Yeah. We'll well, that's that's yeah. quite that's quite cool. But um, so it's mainly just like a, a watching rugby, um, kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, in New Zealand, as you know, you can't get away from the things you're <laughs> exposed to it. No matter where you go, so my whole family plays. My brother, my sister. And then, nice yeah. one. What's yeah, like, awesome. Were you at were you at a big rugby school or? Um, I was at uh, Targo Boys, so that's down in Highlanders oh, yeah. country. I mean, we can claim Richie McCaw, so it's not a bad wee play to have come out of our books. But yeah, so probably one of the bigger schools in the South Island, but North Island is where First 15 is really dominant. Yeah, yeah. As I'm sure yeah. we'll get into later. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, just, just moving into like the lowest level of rugby in New Zealand, what kind of age do boys start playing rugby? Because... Obviously, in South Africa, we got the idea that boys start playing full contact at a really, really young age. So what's maybe some of the differences uh, between, you know, Kiwi rugby at, at that youth level? Yeah, I was going to say, I was a bit shocked when I heard um, you guys talking <laughs> about that in the other episode. Um, yeah, I think much the same as them. We start around five and play ripper or tag rugby or whatever you call it. One of the little mm. flags, basically touch. They play that until I think they're about eight or nine and get into contact under 11s, I think is the first time they play full contact. So, yeah, 10 years old or so. Okay. So that's Can't remember if they play full 15s or not. I think they might do half field and 10 aside, but I'd have to 
getting a bit, bit, bit far yeah. away from the memory banks so. <laughs> there. I think that's later than us, actually, to be fair, which surprises me. Because I thought I thought New Zealand did like the was it New Zealand that did the weight brackets? Like Yes, yes. That's like um we have our usual competitions, you know, anyone can play whatever. And then when mm. it gets to rep season, it's done by weights. So, so in primary school there was uh, primary school there was under 38 kg under 48 and then under 65s and if you're over over 65 then you're shit out a lot to be honest you <laughs> sitting and watching who's over that's yeah. like nearly my weight now yeah that was always <laughs> one of the scrawny ones down in the under 38s Fine with people so what, three years what, below me but what ages does that span the... uh it's from as soon as you under contact you can make the side so it's from under 11 throughout through to under 13s you can pick the sides really so, that's yeah, so weird so, so surely yeah, you strange have like, from yeah yeah in like the under 38s or whatever surely you have like props who are absolutely tiny i mean yeah everyone's a winger so like <laughs> it's kind of difficult is it, and then it even of course like under rugby? 65s is a bit the opposite yeah, i mean geez. from my perspective playing i you know not gonna lie it wasn't great it was just everyone was the glory boy, so it was pick and goes all day trying to finish yourself. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising considering you think there'd be more passing skills, but mm. I guess at that age it's kind of you wanna show your mum and dad what you can do. <laughs> yeah, because I know yeah. in the UK they in the UK they suggested a system like that, just mainly based on the fact that a lot of people were getting injured. Um, yeah. because like you've got your big guys and then absolutely just walloping the small guys. So I don't know. Do, do you think that that actually helps prevent injuries? Because surely when people just go into under 14s, it all just comes together again, right? Yeah, I'm kind of with you because we don't play it during the club season. They're just up against anyone. So going from that to then going to weight grades a bit strange. Yeah, that's so odd. I think it's kind of more giving one everyone a chance to you know, play against people their own size, test yeah. their skills in a different way rather than just the big boys running at the small boys all day long. It's probably quite good for inclusion, to be fair. Yeah. I've like small guys that. actually wanting to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> They're so, actually um, slowly starting to go back to that. It was meant to start this year, but I got ruled out because of COVID, but they're doing under 85 kg competitions now. Really? It was meant to be all the clubs in the country would enter a team and then eventually there'd be a final, but because of COVID, it only ended up happening in Auckland. Interesting. But, yeah, that was quite exciting to watch some 85kg yeah. props run about. Don't see that every day. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously talking about about how schoolboy rugby like and the development there in New Zealand, um, we always, I guess, have this vision of New Zealand being able to pass the ball, whether it's whether you're a number one prop, uh, a number seven flanker, or you know Bowden Barrett. Everyone in New Zealand seems team seems to have these amazing hands where do you think that that comes from do you think that's in inbuilt into the you know training that you get as a as a as a kid or what is it do you reckon um i can't speak so much for the higher levels because i don't ever really watched or chatted to people about that but i guess not going full context straight away gets you a chance to have to develop more passing and you know, spatial awareness skills rather than just naturally being bigger than the other guys then of course you're always going to have your natural freaks of nature that'll be able to do anything and everything same everywhere in the world 
I guess, yeah, you get some of them. You get some who aren't quite so good at the old passing aspect, but yeah. Yeah. And then um, obviously you went to, you just mentioned that you went to Otago Boys High, which isn't as big a rugby school as maybe some of the North, uh, North Island yeah. schools. Um, so we, we know, I mean, two of us sitting on, sitting on the call today have been to New Zealand and we kind of have an idea of, of what, of what school ball rugby is like. Um, but on average, how many people would you say would turn up to an average like first 15 game, whether it's, you know, Christ College and Christchurch or uh, Tauranga Boys or Auckland Grammar? Um, that's cool seeing you guys have a bit of knowledge about it and have experienced it too, gives us a bit of familiar ground. Um, <laughs> so it's obviously massive over here as well. Not South Africa levels of getting, you know, tens of thousands of people. But, you know, every school is you know, got their first 15. And I know that school I was at, it was kind of a day out to go watch the first 15. That'd be the whole school would come along. It was a big match. You'd get, you know, half the town there. You'd up getting yeah. probably a thousand, maybe a couple thousand people at the huge events. Yeah, well, I think so, it's yeah, just it's pretty big. such a big difference, like, that we see between, like, the greatest rugby nations, New Zealand and South Africa, and somewhere like England, where we just don't seem to get nearly as many people or, or like 90% of the school won't even turn up on the match day um, on a Saturday or a Sunday. So I think that's just really, really interesting. Um, and especially when you see these videos of, um, I think it was Auckland Grammar versus their rivals. I can't remember who they were, but St. Kitts, St. Kitts possibly. Possibly. Yeah. And, schools. and they, and they get the whole, like, I don't know, top year to do the hacker behind yeah. the team standing there um i guess my question is what does the hacker mean to you as a, someone from new zealand and like because it's received some criticism in recent times saying that it's not really needed and it gives them an advantage or whatever but what do you make of of all the talk around the hacker and what does it mean to you personally i mean obviously the hacker is it's not just a little act we do it's part of New Zealand culture, the Māori are, you know, our indigenous people and it's a war dance for them. So it's been around for ages and ages, way before it was introduced into rugby. And then, you know, All Blacks took it on and it's always been a bit of a spectacle. I know myself and the rest of my family would always make sure to tune in as the hook is starting. Didn't want to miss that because that's almost just as important as the game to watch. And then around first 15 level, every school has their own hooker, which as he suggested, they usually perform at least once while the game's going on to get the lads hyped up. They actually have like awards for it as well. I remember one year I was got nominated for like, I don't even know what it was, hooker of the year or something. So that's pretty cool to get. Yeah. Obviously outside of rugby, you, um, you got like your cup of hooker and all those sort of competitions. So it's a pretty big rut from primary school all the way up to no, adulthood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess it's just like amazing seeing these. I mean, because when we played Tauranga Boys College, we got the hacker performed for us by the opposite team. Uh, we were playing second 11 at that point. Uh, second, second 11? Second 15, <laughs> sorry. My brain's still in football mode after yesterday's all, all the Premier League games. Um, <laughs> but um, no, because we've actually had it performed to us. And I, I think anyone that thinks that it's just some sort of dance really needs to like 
you know, probably go to New Zealand and witness it for themselves because we obviously did tours of Marais and and um, all the all the different cultural aspects of New Zealand. It's, and it's just basically bringing that into the thing that Kiwi people seem to love most, and that's rugby. So I think it's great. And it's obviously, Ben, I think most people would think like you do on this and think that, you know, it is a spectacle and it is something great in the game that is special to New Zealand and that we should definitely keep it going. Um, but I guess let's move into some proper rugby. Let's talk about, Ben, I know you're keen on the ITM Cup or the Mighty 10 Cup or I don't know what it's called nowadays. but Whatever sponsor you're having this yeah. Cup. <laughs> yeah, so can you tell us a bit about what's been going on there this season? I know it's, it's finished quite recently and um, I don't actually know who won. It's honestly one of the only leagues I don't really follow. So uh, what's going on there? Um, I can understand why you don't follow it because, I mean, there's a load of games on every other day, so it gets hard to keep up with. Um, so the final this year, basically there's two divisions. There's the championship and the premiership. And then much like football in the other league, the bottom team goes down and the top team comes up. The top league, the premiership final was Auckland and Tasman, which Tasman has been a class above the last few years, to be honest. They're basically the Crusaders, but... <laughs> In a slightly different coloured jersey. So they won it again this year. Although Auckland were actually really good. They were top dogs pretty much all season long and pipped at the post. So unlucky for them. Bit of a scrappy final, to be honest. But yeah, was what it yeah. was. And does um and, does the Mighty 10 Cup get, or the ITM Cup, or whatever, yeah, like you say, whatever sponsor it is, do they get a lot of like viewership from, from fans or because... I don't know. Uh, seeing some of the some of the games on TV whilst in New Zealand, it didn't really seem like a lot of them had loads of fans there. It almost seemed like a South African Super Rugby game, almost in in the amount of people. But um, yeah, what's the kind of you know feeling towards the game or that competition from fans? I mean, yeah, it's hard to argue with you here. Like the crowd numbers generally aren't great. I know the Targo team they usually have half a stand open for their games or one stand open because you can't justify having the whole stadium. And I know for the final that just happened, they gave free entry, obviously just to try to boost the numbers up a bit Free? More. Yeah, free entry? Is, <laughs> what? I see that from Auckland I every day. Gone. I would have gone, mate. What? Yeah, that's pretty would have been a bargain. Just pay for the flights. Quarantine <laughs> yeah. for two just weeks, a, you'll be sweet. Just a quick £1,000 for a return flight to New Zealand. And then um... a free ticket, <laughs> £1,000 flight. Can I just ask, because for those who are listening who probably don't <clears throat> really know what like might of whatever ITM actually is, can you just sort of give an overview what what it is in relation to Super Rugby? And I'm also interested in the, like, how super rugby players can play in the cup because I've seen some playing in it and how does that like crossover work? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. It all gets pretty jumbly with you know all blacks coming in and out and people turning out for different provinces and they do in super rugby and mm. it's all about higgledy piggledy. Basically, super rugby is the professional competition, so that's where you get paid the higher wages. There's five of the teams in there, as most people I'm sure know, and then. Uh, ITM Cup or Mitre 10 Cup as it's now called is the step down from that so it's professional slash you know they're paid slightly semi-professional used to be but it's moved up to professional now 
there's 14 provinces, I want to say, compete in that. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. And yeah, so basically, and then if you go a step below that even further, the rest of the provinces play in something called the Heartland Championship, which is like the peak of club level, sort of. So. Okay, and and how big is, is the club game there? Does kind of everyone play for a local club or or does... You know, is how big is rugby in New Zealand? I guess is it like everyone plays, or is it, or is it just everyone watches the All Blacks, and that's kind of as far as it goes for most people. Everyone's exposed to it, obviously, because it's massive. But I would have to double check, but I don't think it's actually near the top of the most played. I'm pretty sure football's got the most numbers. And then basketball and netball are right up there as well. Obviously, rugby is massive too, but like it's not as dominant as you'd think. Um, yeah, for real, that's super interesting because obviously we we see New Zealand as being this massive rugby nation, and uh, when when you hear something like football is actually equally as played or possibly even more played than than rugby, then it's kind of surprising, I guess, to someone from England who uh, has this view of New Zealand. Um, but yeah, just going back to Super Rugby, um, how often do you personally go, go and watch like the Highlanders in Dunedin or, or anything like that or, or get, get the opportunity to watch it and um, how much would it cost to go see a game? Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. I don't live far away from the stadium, so my family lives down about an hour away from Dunedin and I've been at high school and university there for the past however many years, so it's only really been a short walk down the road to go. And I mean, it's like, do you know what the zoo is? Hell yeah, I know what the zoo is. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. end with all the so students, isn't it? That's pretty cheap to go to, only like 10, <laughs> 20 bucks. You can quite often find a free ticket. And if you got to ever go in there, you'd soon find out why it's so cheap. Because, you know, you're standing up, basically shouting and drinking piss the whole game. So certainly an atmosphere. Feel sorry it, for the parents like, that end up in there, but what was that, man? What's it been like, especially coming back from? What's it been like, especially coming back from COVID? Because obviously you've got very like little restrictions down in New Zealand. Like I think even in like some of the Super Rugby games, you were seeing like packed out stadiums. So has it been pretty? Um, yeah, has it been pretty like hectic in terms of like rugby? Have there been a lot more fans than you usually see? Now, it feels kind of weird or bad to say it, but COVID's almost been a blessing for Super Rugby here because the numbers weren't overly flash before lockdown. And then once it hit, and obviously we were deprived of rugby for a while and then ended up being New Zealand derbies each week with Super Rugby Aotearoa. It just the numbers boosted massively. It's almost packed out stands every game, which is awesome to see. Yeah, it seriously is good to see, to be honest. Like we, um, obviously being down here or up here in the UK, um, COVID's obviously us quite bad and we've only just had um, the first few people get let, let back into stadiums and it's only a maximum of 2,000 people. So you've got to imagine all those people wanted to watch Premier League games and Premiership games um, only just being rugby. let in and international rugby. But they're not letting people watch international rugby still because there's no internationals anymore. Um, but we will come on to that I'm sure in a second. But I guess um, 
Yeah, actually, let's come on to it now because I, I guess uh, what I would like to talk about with you, Ben Affleck, first <laughs> is the Argentina-Australia game that happened as the last game of the Tri-Nations. Did you watch it? Oh, of course I watched it. Almost regret watching it. How <laughs> frustrating it was at times, but, you know. Yeah, so it finished 16-all. Um, Argentina scored actually probably one of the nicest tries I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, what do you make of it? I mean, it's just like taking a leaf out of Rugby 08 from back in the day, binding on, going up <laughs> half the field and then going blindside and you're away laughing. <laughs> yeah, Dalgie's just been on fire this tournament, so it was good to see him finally get some reward and how good yeah. was the fend at the end as well. Oh, so nice. So nice. He just sprung. It was almost like um, his hand was a spring and he just sprung off him, didn't he? Um, what about Australia? I think, what did you make of Reese Hodges' penalty miss? At the end, yeah, no, it's kind of hard to put the blame on him, but if he's going to be in there largely for his long range kicking, you hope he starts nailing some sooner rather than later. Obviously, from my perspective, it's been good because he's missed against Argentina twice and New Zealand once now, so I can't complain. I think, I think Hodgson yeah. is a bit of a bottle job at times, like especially towards the end of the games, he seems to be missing a lot of the important kicks, which I think which would have won. Won Australia a lot of games. I think, yeah, they had three chances now to snatch it at the death. And yeah, two of them, at least one of them's been one you'd expect them to get nine times out of ten. I guess when the pressure's on, it's a whole different ball game. When well, nah, but he, he can he can get the kicks from miles out. Like he's got an absolute rocket on him. I don't think I've ever seen anyone kick the ball so far apart from Francois Stein. Like, oh, yeah. No. There's I that video. I'm watching him strike it, eh? There's Unreal. that video of him training and he's like on his own 10 meter line and just like might not be getting it 100% accurate every time, but the distance is actually incredible. Um, and I guess with being an Argentina fan, um, we should probably touch on what happened last week and, and where your loyalties lay there. Uh, obviously, it was. If you're an Argentina fan, which we kind of were because we like to see an underdog win, uh, which was why the first time that Argentina played the All Blacks, that it was such an amazing thing for us because it was a great victory. And then coming back, 38-0, what did you make of that? I mean, wasn't expecting a great deal considering they put out a lot of the youngsters. But at the same time, like it's experience for them, they'll and they improve from that in the future. And being a Kiwi, I can't be too mad at New Zealand getting a win. Obviously, so wait, we got a away the week before. But who, who, in that game, who do you who do you prefer to see win? No, I'm always Argentina over New Zealand. I'll support New Zealand in every other game they're playing, except Argentina. But really, that Argentina New Zealand's my favourite fixture. That doesn't make any sense to me, mate. Nah. So jammy, because like, yeah. you guaranteed win basically with New Zealand and then have a bit of fun with Argentina on the side. When... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, don't worry, I've got a lot of stick from it over the years, having the mates <laughs> around to be watching the fixture and yeah, you deserve Argentina it, opening the scoring or something and I'll be the only one cheering. <laughs> yeah, don't mate. mind it though. Nah, man, come on. you got to stay true to your roots. That's why we're all England fans, right, Mal? Yeah, I'm, I'm England and Ireland. 
No, you're not. You're going to love it. Well, <laughs> I'm, half, I'm half Irish. Yeah, but you're 100% England also, fan. Yeah, but I love, I love triggering, triggering you, man. Because anytime, anytime Ireland play, I just like, literally, I wasn't even watching the game yesterday. I was just going, oh, yeah, sounds like Ireland are playing really, really well. And you were like, oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Only because they got a yellow card. <laughs> it is. It actually was. Can we move on to that now, the Nations Cup? Because yeah. it was actually quite... I, I don't know. I, I I don't think Ireland played particularly well. Uh, I think Scotland should have won, but somehow yeah, the scoreline the scoreline flatters flatters Ireland a little bit as per usual, like it did in Ireland's um thirty whatever thirty two nine point win over Wales the other day, and Ireland are bad. Okay, guys, anyone who that thinks that Ireland, disagree. anyone that thinks that Ireland Ireland are okay is just wrong because. Yeah, they're in a phase of building, but they've apparently been in this phase of building since beating the All Blacks for however long, however long ago it was on Soldier Fields no, in Chicago. No, no, they've been they've been building they've been building since the their poor performance in the World Cup. Trust me, trust me. Well, why did they not build? Bad, why did they not build before the World Cup? Before the World Cup, like every other team did. I don't know because that was that was stupid. They like should have should have <laughs> let's let's be honest. They should have really been playing their 2018. In the a year later, and been like getting to the final of the World Cup. It like considering they beat the All Blacks, I think they went like unbeaten in 2018. If they had just carried that on for a year or something to the World Cup, then they they would have been doing bits, but obviously not there. So and like they got smashed by England in the uh, pre-game, um, and then yeah, they got exposed yeah. by England. Mal, what do you think but... of did you this whole like Johnny Sexton? people asking him to retire before the world cup because i know he he put like a tweet out or something that essentially he was like yeah i can carry on to 38 like or whatever so the world it's cup time to go yeah and he was like I mean, some people were telling him to retire yeah i have i've seen it i've seen that um i think a lot of uh i think a lot of the time like he is the best fly half at the moment because they don't like obviously billy burns is like been a right. They got. I think they got Ross Byrne as well. Yeah, Ross Byrne's really good. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> Joey Carberry I mean, when he's fit. Yeah, Joey Carberry's injured. Like he's he's actually pretty sick, but he's. I think he's got really really bad injury. Like I think he's gonna be out for a while. So it seems, it seems a bit silly just to for him to retire at the moment. Like I think he's good to have in the uh, in the squad as well while they're building. But, no uh, one, but not, no, but no it... one cares about Ireland, man. Yeah. Bin, what do you think of Ireland? <laughs> I mean, I've seen the Kiwis run out for them. That's about the only thing I can say I enjoy about <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> yeah, run out to 100% beat them, yeah. apart from that one time. Like, uh, yeah, no. no, it didn't happen. You say Ireland have been very average, as of Thank you. a lot of the nations over there. Yeah. Wait, I just don't understand you... why you would play. Why would you play Johnny Sexton in a game that means absolutely nothing? Why would you not just play someone who you can actually give international experience to? Because Johnny which, which Sexton's game... the captain, which... and he just goes, "I want to play well, this yesterday. one." Yeah, it's the why? golden boy of Irish rugby. It was a third. He's not third even. Place. He's not even very good. No, no, he's overrated. Yeah, it's... No. yeah it's true. I, I, I agree with you, but. I'm not like, triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Doesn't know what to say. The thing is, he pretends he pretends like he's an Ireland he's an Ireland fan just to trigger us, and then he actually is an Ireland fan. 
No, I'm actually an England fan. Actually, yeah, and then he says that. <laughs> actually, I'm an England fan, I promise. England rugby. England! You're going to be nah. supporting England today, Mal? Uh, yeah, yeah, I will be, obviously. No, it's a really good Sports French France. team. <laughs> Predictions? Like 65 caps. <laughs> Total. Yeah, Ben Young's has more caps. Four players have more caps. And the whole of their team. <laughs> Joe, Launch, Joe Launchbury has more caps than the whole of their team. <laughs> Sorry, but Amazon must be pissed. Like, because the final made into a bit of a laughing stock. Like, that met was what was meant to be like the main spectacle, because it's obviously their competition. And like, they paid a, sh- a, like, a shit ton to roll out this competition and like sponsor it, have all the games on their platform. And like, the biggest game, one of the teams has basically dropped out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was all France's fault because they they did that that stupid rule with the clubs where they agreed to only play each player for three games maximum. Yeah. Now, but why? But like, surely they kinda, knew that before. Yeah, I don't know. It's, like, it's, at least like, France have the depth. Like they have, I think they do have somewhat some sort of depth in in their like young players. So they England is still obviously going to absolutely destroy them. <laughs> I hope. I, I say this, but I really, if we, if it's a close, then I'll be like, what the hell's going on here? But it should be a good chance for England to prove that they definitely are the best team in the world. Look, it's going to be an easy oh. dub, so all right? It's going to be an yeah. easy dub. Will they prove it against the sort of French side that's put out there? Probably just they won't. They won't. Doubters. It won't prove anything. It's just going to be a fun game to watch. Let's face it. It's going to be like England playing the Barbarians or something. Yeah. France, France will try and fling the ball out a little bit and, and try and play some nice running rugby and England's massive defensive line led by that man, the best player in the, in the world ever, Maritoje. <laughs> and and he's just going to smash him back. And Sam Undale, based on last weekend's performance against Wales, that man is in some fine-ass form. Like, come on, come on. England... We stand every chance of putting 50, 60 points on this French team. I really yeah. hope we don't lose after you said that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's How bad would it be if we lost that? That's quite a big statement. <laughs> <laughs> so ben, final scoreline predictions. Oh, I mean, it's hard to argue with you, to be honest. It's looking like it's going to be a comfortable win, but I do want to see the French first team giving England a run and see how that goes. We'd probably still win by 30, yeah, 40. I have to wait for Six Nations <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, I think England are obviously going to walk it. I'm, is anyone else? I'm, I'm slightly concerned by the state of Northern Hemisphere rugby after this Autumn's Nations Cup, though. Like, if you think about it, like, the only teams actually playing decent rugby are England and France. Like, Wales have been awful. Ireland have been pretty shoddy. Scotland have showed signs of being better, but still basically choke and can't convert anything. Yeah. Wait, Ben... What what kind of attitude do people in the Southern Hemisphere have towards Northern Hemisphere rugby at the moment? Like when you look at a team like Wales or a team like like Ireland or Scotland, basically anyone that's not England, um, what do you what do you think? There's no like I guess there's no fear factor there, is there? No, I mean it's always going to be the same comments year after year that it's just boring rugby. They're not afraid of what they got to offer. But, I mean the way. New Zealand, Aussie, Argentina have been playing. Probably do have a bit more to be worried about than previous years, especially against England and France. Not so much the other ones, but we'll see. Yeah. Ireland well, who, definitely the most boring. 
they're not. No, they're not. Yeah, it's literally Wales like Leinster, Leinster replicated. Leinster no, they're not jerseys. even Leinster replicated. If they were Leinster replicated, they'd be, they'd be actually good. They'd be winning the whole time. No, because, because the, step up, good. the step up into international rugby is too much for Leinster. They Leinster couldn't even beat choke. Saracens, and Saracens are bad. To be fair, England are pretty boring. It's literally like... Exeter and Saris combined, like no, not true, not true. Ben, do you think that do you think that England are boring? Oh, absolutely. But if it works, <laughs> I can't argue with it. I'm we sorry, no. If, if you look at if you look at some of the tries we scored, are sort of off, off some really nice first phase moves with like Johnny May or Jonathan Joseph scoring the corner. If you look at a lot of, I will admit, against Georgia, we tried to prove a point by scoring like three more more tries or whatever, and a couple of picks and goes. But only because Eddie Jones made this ridiculous claim that we had we were coming up against the best pack in the world in Georgia. No, they're not. They're rubbish. Okay, oh, weren't they going to play like got... nine forwards? Georgia just got beaten by 38-23 by a Fiji team that hasn't played in about two years. Yeah, that, that line-up was gone, though. It was How good is it Dolo back on the field? Yeah, jeez. Yeah, 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 whoa. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it because I wasn't up. But... I just had Semi in, and you guys guessed him as like, the best player in the Prem. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, what do you think of Semi Rodrada? Oh, I mean, he's an unreal player, but I mean, if you're going to mark him out of the game, then you're marking him out of the game. Jesus, exciting to watch, though. You can't mark him out of the game. Like, literally, he's the kind of player that will actually, like, unmark himself. He's just that good. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. If he, if he does it. Okay, okay. It's like. It's like Tuolangi, okay? You can literally put two people on, on the tackle every time, which is what New Zealand did in the semi-final, and yet he still makes ground. It's the and same with Rangarada. Even if he doesn't make ground, the players outside him have got... Yeah, he's literally got Nadolo, move, so. Nadolo and Joshua Tuasova outside on the wings. It's not literally Mate, those players have put on a ton of weight during lockdown i'll tell i'll tell you that for nothing like they're already like 130 kgs or something those wingers like they've got like 400 kgs worth of weight between them now because they've each put on 50 kgs during lockdown they're so large joshua to say that i think is slightly under underrated as well he's an absolute beast he's been playing for too long for ages hasn't he yeah well i think over the last two or three seasons like people gassed him like through two seasons ago or three seasons ago and he kind of just like not really spoken about him that much, but he just absolutely bumba clutz people. Bumba clutz. Ben Vola Vola. What hard, do we think of Ben Vola Vola? To... Yeah, he's pretty average. Ben Vola Vola? <laughs> Never thought much of him while he was over here. Still don't think no, a great deal of him. Who do you play for? You play for like Waratahs. At the Crusaders and yeah. Rebels and started at the Tars, I think. The really? Rebels. I didn't know that. Rebels is spelled with really E's, not I's. Ben, <laughs> Rebels is spelled with E's, not I's, mate. <laughs> uh, rebels, mate. Let's make it even worse for you. Rebels. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, Ben Volavola, he actually played quite well. I thought he kicked well, to be honest. Um, but what, what do, do you think that's a good result for Georgia or not? Like, obviously... It's against a Fiji side that haven't played in ages, and this Georgia team is just coming off the back of three half decent matches against tier one nations. So you could look at that <sighs> both ways. So, like, 
Fiji team's fresh, but Georgia have literally played three fresh. games in a row. Fresh. Uh, How can you be fresh after like a year and a half where you haven't played a, a test match? But I think for Georgia, they they they'll have felt like they've already achieved something. But like Fiji, that's their only game, and they'll actually think they're starting to prove in playing that game. I think I think Georgia. against I think Georgia against Ireland as well. They played really well um, in well, in patches, and uh, Ireland kind of scraped through almost um, mm. that one. Uh, <laughs> and against Wales average, as well. Wales against, definitely. And against Wales. Wales. Yeah, so I don't know. Definitely drawing things from those two games would be probably stupid because those two teams are both seriously bad at the moment. Um, but tier one nations, and you can see Mal's reaction. But they are, they are just bad. They're, the Ireland's a bad team now. No, yeah, obviously not. Ireland, are, Wales are a bad team. Ireland <laughs> are an average team. Mm, pretty nah. pretty bad at the moment. <laughs> what do you think about Georgia then in, in general? Like, obviously, this is one of our first competitions with tier one nations besides the World Cup. So, in terms of like, I know we spoke about before, like them possibly coming into the Six Nations or some kind of promotion thing. Where do you think this competition has, do you think it's sort of taken steps towards that? Or do you still think that Georgia and Italy maybe should just get lost? Italy are dang. Mate, Italy are on the up. <laughs> Mate, that's so fun to watch. They're, I, I honestly think that they're actually going to get better. Like, I think now that they know that there is competition from Georgia and they've got all these like young players coming up, they're, they're going to start like properly improving. I think they're like, obviously... like They could be Wales, in my opinion, at some point. Mm, they could definitely... <laughs> they should have been Wales. At this, at, at, at this rate, it's kind of like... Wet, um, what's it called? Yeah, Italy are on the up. Wales and Ireland, Ireland are like this. Not on the up. <laughs> Italy can, can can we stop saying that teams are on the up when they're not? Ireland, Wales, are and on Italy the are on the down. Saints are actually on the up. They lost by best to one point. <laughs> by one point. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I, I think, don't see I it. Think the only, let's be honest. The only dominant team in the whole of world rugby at the moment is England. Yeah, I'd agree. Not true. We lost to France. No, ages right ago. Now. Yeah, what? Yeah, that was bloody ages. Six nations. Yeah, but there's still a point to prove. I don't think you can call one team or the other dominant when, um, when England have literally lost to them in their most recent fixture to them, which was only what eight months ago. Mm. But I'd say England would be favourites to be any side. Yeah, a hundred percent. Ben, yeah. what? Uh, England play the All Blacks today. Yeah, England feel the same team they did. Uh, you know. I don't know. Well, the same team they would have done today. So basically, the same team that's being fielded. Uh, what happens, and what's the result? I think most of the bookies would probably still have New Zealand as favourite because that's what bookies do. But in my opinion, England probably stronger the two at the moment. Well, especially with Fozzie at the arm, he's not really exactly. looking like he's knowing what he's doing. Yeah, can we talk about actually? Um, the 10 and 15 that, that the All Blacks seem to be obsessed with, with trying out. Because watching last weekend, Mal and I tuned in to Two Cents Rugby. I'm not sure if you watch him on YouTube. Yeah, I watch um, a bit of Two Cents. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. But he literally made it such a good point halfway through the game, which was like, why do they play Mwanga at 10 and then Barrett at 15? Because Barrett's like proven as or been proven in recent years to be like the best 10 in world rugby and he won the world player of the year 
at 10, not 15. So what what was your opinion on it? Do you think he should go back to 10 or do you think give Moonga a bit more time in international rugby? I mean, Moonga is class, but how good would it be to see Barrett start and Moonga come off the bench with 20 or 30 to go and just do what he does rather than trying to get the most out of both of them and both kind of being a bit iffy, not really getting the hands on the ball as much as they'd like to. Just yeah, go back to what's worked in the past, get a fullback in there. Give Jordan some game time because he's the future. Love him, love yeah, Jordan. Jordan is actually OP. Mackie, do you not? Do you remember like a few years ago? I was like telling you, I was like, oh, there's this sick young player who plays Crusaders as a fullback, and I was telling you about Will Jordan, and you're like, yeah, mate, he looks a bit average to me. And then <laughs> can I just say on this? Yeah, no, he's obviously obviously been playing pretty well. I think on the fullback thing, I think there's just a general trend in world rugby to play more playmakers and kickers at fullback. And well, it was like, 10, 12 a few years ago. And now yeah, it's now it's fullback. So 10, 15. Yeah, but I think you can see why. And I think it's because there's a trend to kick the ball. Like England, that's what England do so well with Daly at 15. He just gets into that 13 channel and just like, just like buries them into their own half. Because that's a lie. Multiple times, Daly kicks out in the full and we end up going back 50 metres. No, but that's not, like, in general, like, you can see him picking up, getting it on the 13 channel, winger comes up, grubber it through, Johnny May runs through and scores. They should score, like, that way so yeah. many times. Yeah, it's a tactic, but, like, But honestly, that's why they have Daly. If we're, that's if why we're, they have a playmaking on, 15, Ed, so that they can actually, so that they have, like, that extra dimension of play. Like, that's why, originally, like, England had 10-12, so that they could have an extra playmaker. And now... It's not just by choice. But we're still playing 10-12. Yeah, because we have to now, because we don't have to Alangi. But before, like, the number one choice was to play Farrell at 10, and Daly is the second playmaker at, at 15, and he comes into line, and he can just poke the balls in. Also, Slady as well. Like, you've got so many people, Slady. so many people who can freaking rub the ball through into the corner. Like, and that's what really a lot of teams are doing. Sh- I really don't think Ford should be in the starting team anymore, to be honest. I think we look stronger not playing the 10-12. Ford is sick. Ford has been, like, know, seriously mate. good. Bam, what do you make of George Ford? No, I mean, as someone who doesn't see him week in, week out, what I do see of him is class to watch him. Yeah, which is all yeah. the time. <laughs> I'll get you. you got more experience. <laughs> yeah, he kicked it out. Um, His kicking was a bit crap, but I think he's coming back from injury. But in general, I think he tends to be a lot better against like the slightly worse sides and you can see him actually tear them apart i think um but like he'll ha- he'll just have those games where he just stands out and he's actually like unbelievable um no nah, i think he no, should he definitely Sanchez, start. though is he yeah <laughs> oh, please, give up give up on sanchez sanchez <laughs> nah sanchez is a good player but let's face it would he make it into the england starting 15 oh, no chance I'm surprised he even got an Argentina's up there. Shite he was last year. But he's been unreal, <laughs> the Tri Nations. I'll give him which, that. Uh, which Argentina players do you think would have would make the make an England or make it into an England squad? That's quite a good comparison. None. It's because not England a great are just, deal, really. England are just a better team. Possibly Buffett. I'm a big fan of Guido Peter. I think he's one of the best locks in the world. Behind obviously Atoji, your man, and Retellic. Maybe James Ryan. 
No, he's no, rubbish. Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> you can't you can't actually say that he's good anymore. He had one good season and now he's just like become that average Paul O'Connell, not even that good. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally takes a line out, um, occasionally makes a tackle. Mike carry carries really averagely though. Like Toje is just ten times better. Itoje is actually unbeatable. Yeah, Itoje is unbeatable. <sighs> still on top. No. You wait till Ritalik comes back. And... <laughs> no, he's not. I, I actually, rate, I actually think Ritalik's scary. Ritalik's like... Prob- no, if if, if Ritalik was playing at the moment, it would be close, but he's not really playing, so... Yeah, no, but Toji's class. I'll give him that. One of the few England players I can give respect to. <laughs> few. Come on. Who's the most exciting England player other than Toji, and from your point of view? I do love Anthony Watson. He hasn't done anything in ages. Oh, but he's just... When he's on form, though, he's unreal. Yeah, he hasn't sick. been on form for the last three years. And yeah, obviously, the, the, the two flankers, Underhill and Carrier, they're monsters. Oh, mate. You do not know how it feels to watch them play. I actually get gassed every time I see Underhill make a tackle. I actually... I, I can't quite believe how good he is at tackling. Like... One of the commentators last weekend said, like, his arms are literally 90% bicep. So, how do I argue? I was like, yes, they are, but somehow he still manages to put a shoulder in for every hit and just hit people back. Like, I just get gassed for England really way too easily. Just love England. Can't wait to see them play later. Obviously, at the time this um, episode's released, we will. Um, we will have seen the game and we will have we will know the result. Uh, and if France haven't lost by 60 points, then I'll be extremely embarrassed. Um, but obviously, um, we've spoken for a while now, so I think it's probably time that I mention our socials. Uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and obviously YouTube. So you can see our beautiful faces. Look at me. You can see Ben's beautiful face and his beautiful Argentinian shirt. Um, and we are obviously on Instagram and Facebook as well. So go and check us out on them. And I think that's about all we have time for for today. So thank you very much, Ben, for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute no. pleasure having you. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great chatting. Great meeting you all. Yeah, absolutely no worries, mate. And uh, feel free to stay stay in touch, and uh, we'll have you on anytime, anytime you like in the future. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right, mate. Um, thank you so much again. Uh, but yeah, next week we have another guest uh, adding to our Around the World, uh, Rugby Around the World series. His name's Joe and he's um, going to chat to us a bit about Welsh rugby. So that should be interesting. Uh, also, the weekend after that, we're going to be chatting about uh, Christmas and rugby and do a little Christmassy themed episode. So lots to look forward to in the coming weeks. Um, and that's about all we have time for. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, bye-bye. Rugby.